0: You know, all right, you. pal. All right. Good, to to <laughs>
2: Good
4: to see you. How are
0: Good to see you. Yes, sir. Good to see
2: you. I'm all right. And
0: the beat goes on. By the way, it's not all mine. They send it up from the building every Christmas. So whatever kind of cho- if you like chocolate, it's there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all kinds of chocolate. I love it.
5: Someone's gonna try one first. <laughs> what are you, the Pope? I can't wait. He's the you know Pope. You set me up like that, bro. No, he's trying to say right, you're trying to up. poison him. I need ten minutes. You
0: know what I love about this, <laughs> Donnell? Here's what I love for people who aren't watching this on uh, on the uh, on YouTube.
5: Oh, we're live. Donnell, turns,
0: live. Donnell turns to the one black man and said, You try it first. <laughs> yeah, I did. You did. You did. But
5: his, the reason why, because his eyes were more engaging and his eyes <laughs> spoke more truth. All right? His eyes had more truth. And when I said that statement, everybody looked sideways, so I didn't trust anybody but the guy that was looking me right in my face.
0: Right? All right, now we're going to get We're going to need a reaction from you. Ready? Oh, God. That's my youngest brother. Right here? Mm-hmm.
5: All right. <laughs> Um, okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure it out. I'm just trying to figure it out. I'm figured it out. I know. Adoption. It was adoption, right? Well, I don't want adopt my brother. No, y'all, there's just, no, really? No, come on, man. Help me, man. <laughs> Help me.
3: Look, the chocolate is
5: kicking in right now. The chocolate is kicking in. I don't Uh, believe that. JB. That was a good start. It was a good try. It was a good try? Yeah. You're not buying it? (laughs) Nope. I think it's safe for me to try the chocolate I'll tell you a
0: wonderful thing, a wonderful story. But JB, we've known each other for years. Mm. And Philip Y is also on the show. I've known him for 45 years, something like that. So last Christmas Eve, we invite JB and Philip. No, it was a couple of years ago. Was that two years ago? Yeah. We invite him over to the house for Christmas Eve. So it's the family. That's my son down there. All my, right, bro. my my wife and my daughter are usually. Well, my daughter's not here on Fridays, but my wife usually is. But she's up doing some real estate thing or something. But what have
5: you done in your life where you need your whole family at work with you?
0: <laughs> I, I wanted like, my whole <laughs> I my whole family at work with me. I'm just trying to understand. it. it, it there's the dog. You don't want to hear about it. The dog is right there. <laughs> there's a dog. We actually, yeah. you do. You normally usually have
2: a
1: in. dog oh in
5: here. Oh my God! Yeah. You have three
0: dogs in here sometimes. That's
5: that's while getting that trust together.
0: <laughs> are you not going to put your headphones in? Oh, sorry, sorry. off. Sorry, no, he, no, I'm just, Rick's trying to be all humble.
4: I've been, I've been entertained.
0: You've been entertained? Yeah. Okay, so Christmas Eve, Andy's there, Alex, our daughter's there, my son-in-law, and their brand new baby, she's like seven months old at the time, there's JB and Philip Wise, who used to play with the New York Jets and the, and the Minnesota Vikings, black men in America today, they got
5: in a fight. <laughs> We got into a heavy discussion. It was unbelievable. A fight, like what type of fight? Like Two black urban people fight? in the house and they're fighting. No, is it like a fist fight or like a verbal fight? <laughs> fist fight? It was a verbal fight. Oh, yeah, see, fight. white people think fights are different. Yeah. <laughs> 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 we got to the fight and he said some things that really hurt my feelings. You know? And <laughs> we <laughs> <laughs> got in the fight, I stabbed him 18 times, son. You know, so you, I need to know what type no, of fight it was. Phillip's
2: wasn't. almost 70. And you got in a fight with them? and i'm in i just hit my mid 50s right so we're different generations gotcha
4: i hate how black don't crack it really is <laughs> 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 unbelievable honestly black don't
2: crack it. <laughs> you gets
0: ooh
4: that's <laughs> all i know
0: gets ooh, baby.
2: <laughs> but um somehow we got into a civil rights discussion we did
5: and With a guy in their seventies, in their seventies, of course you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right.
2: You know he what? Was what else are you going to talk <laughs>
5: You're about? Exactly right. That's exactly what it was too. Yeah.
0: I went through it all, and you went through nothing. nothing. Yeah.
2: And I even looked oh at him and, and said, "I get it. I understand." Right. You guys did the fighting, and my generation was the one right behind you guys who started to benefit from it. Right. Then. Yeah, but good. that generation is still bitter as hell, and mine is kind of
5: like you can't say over it, but over like it. not over it. But I so understand exactly what you're saying. It's right. like we get your, your it, we know recognizes it.
4: Recognizes the changes yeah, and right. advances, but that's, whereas, um, yeah.
5: but that's why even when I mean I know this is a topic I've I've talked about it on like some urban stations, whatever, like with the N word right mm-hmm. like there's a generation whenever they heard that word it was all negative and it was usually used to hurt you to be insulting or be do something nasty but then you have another generation where it's a um it's a it's a term of endearment and you use it in the context of showing love to somebody but if you get someone that's 80 to talk to one someone mm-hmm. that's 40 they're never going to understand no. you know you generation... know and people always and people always say um they're like um it's the context. People know the context of words, well, but that doesn't give everyone yeah. the right to use them. Right.
1: In my generation, it was used when a rapper couldn't think of enough syllables to fill a measure. <laughs>
5: exactly. That's my, genera- that's my generation, too. Yeah. Yo, what my niggas is at? Where yeah, my exactly. niggas is at? We right here. I mean, I don't know if that's going to get edited, but that's the. It's going to get edited. That's it. But, okay, keep it real. But that, that's the truth of that's it. On but every you, day. That argument, and, and, I, and I always say, even, even with civil rights issues, people that have bad views on people, whatever, those, I tell people all the time, those people are just going to die off. Mm -hmm. And then when they die off, they can't teach people those negative things. So it's just a matter of time.
2: Well, when I first first moved here, because I grew up mm from... Zero to eighteen in St. Louis.
5: Okay, sorry to hear that. But good. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the
2: pizza's good, man. Emos, Elmos, pe- or whatever. Emos. <laughs> You're right. I but you, then I, Tony's is really good. But I came here to uh, go to college, right? And I've lived here ever since. And one of, you, know, you just
5: you just killed this conversation, but you because you came here with a dream to go to college. That's awesome!
0: Way to go, JB! You <laughs> why ruined did I kill, everything. Why did I kill no, because me? where you I'm from, everything. man,
5: people a lot of people don't have that dream. I'm just saying, but you that just that's you not, started off not right.
1: killed bad, but like killing it.
5: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: But um, you know, and I got to meet. Some of the because I worked, I came here to be a student manager for the Thank football you. You. team. Oh,
0: I thought you said you got to meet me. That's
1: all. <laughs> <laughs> I got to meet to you me that way, <laughs> meet you
2: years later, <coughs> years later, yeah. yeah, six years later or something like that. And, um,
1: you were only 24 when you met dad, yeah, I yeah.
2: was in my 20s, yeah, oh,
1: yeah, you guys had known each other that well. Oh, yeah, long. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah long I time. knew it was a long time, yeah, I didn't know it was that long.
2: And so, um, I'm meeting guys from all over the country on the football team. and we had a bu- group of guys from Florida, and they all walked up to me and said, what's up, money? And I was like, right. excuse me? What happened?
6: Because
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, St. Louis, God, in St. Louis was like, you don't what ever that speak happened? that word. In right, right, Florida it was like, what's up, man?" Yeah, was like, yeah. huh? <laughs> well, I tell
0: that story about when I lived in Grand Forks, North Dakota. I, I... I I could not understand the people up in Grand Forks because I grew up in the inner city, so I right. could not understand that yep. Minnesota accent. And the further north you get, the worse it gets. Right. So they're like, oh, 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 and I'm like, <laughs>
5: what's so? Going I on? ended up
0: living with a black man and his sister, a guy named Victor Treadwell, mm-hmm. in the house, never outside the house, but in the house, he used to refer to me as that. Right. And I didn't call him that; he called me that, but right. only in the house. It was hilarious. But I and, and
5: but I and I, and, I and, I'll, and I'll give you a story. I understand what he meant by that because oh, yeah, I did too. my connection with Chappelle show. Right? People always ask me, say, um, how did you get on Chappelle's show?" And they thought it was just that I, me and Chappelle's. Um, I, I'm trying to explain. This. Well. They they think just because we're both from D.C. I was on a show because of that. Yeah. But Neil Brennan, who was a co executive producer of the show, he saw me years ago. He was like a PA for In Living Color, where he would go across the country and right. look for talent. He just was got to record his stuff, and he became a fan of mine from an audition and see me in New York. So, um, he 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 became a fan of mine, and he never directed. He had wrote three scripts that he sold. He was making money. He never directed anything. He wanted to start directing. He didn't have a reel. So he called my manager. He's like, "Yo, I wrote this um, this short. I want Donnell to be." And I thought he's always been funny, and I just want to do it so I can learn how to edit. Blah blah blah. First thing he ever directed, right? So at the time I was on on the HBO's Corner, and I think I was doing good, good for myself. Yeah. And um. And I said, I know you can't afford to pay me, but when you get a ch- if you ever make it, you get a chance to throw me a bone, throw me a bone. So maybe seven months later, no, a year later. He was he said, I'm working on this show, I'll let you know about it, but I want you to be involved with it. I was like, What? He said, We have a name for it. Then a week later he called me, and said, I want you to be a part of the show. at Chappelle Show. And and Neil Brennan, he was a white guy. Right. He was right. the one that was responsible for introducing me to the Chappelle show. So when people say who your dudes are, I was like, Yo, Neil Brennan, that's my nigga. You know? Yeah, right, right. You know, right, and that's right. the context. And which I story. use it with that, you know.
0: So, I tell you one: Have you seen Three Mics? Neil Brennan, the stand-up. Yeah, up? I saw it.
5: Oh man, is that? It sad. It was deep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's that deep. was sad. It's very deep, but that's you know what? It's it's sad, but how many people do projects where they really get naked on stage yeah. and expose themselves one hundred percent? And you right. do that without? You do that with knowing that it might not all be funny. No, and it, it's it, it, therapy. That, I think that three mic probably was therapy
0: for him. It was therapy for me because my mother raised seven children by herself.
5: But you know, that family, he has like 14. Like forty brothers, and it's so it's, funny because yeah. I gotta tell this story. His brother,
0: you know, why did you have to top me? I went to seven. To <laughs> no, no, he,
5: they Irish you up. <laughs> but yeah, four, no, I got. At tell least he's story. doing it in
0: multiples.
4: <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> no, I gotta tell you, sorry,
5: Kevin, um, Kevin Brennan, Neil Brennan's older brother. He started yeah. in comedy first, right? So Kevin Brennan, I was talking to, Ke- and their 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 relationship is so up and down. Oh so yeah. I was talking to Kevin one time. I was like, yeah, um, I was talking to Neil, and he said. Neil is dead to me. Oh, God. No, he said, Neil is dead to me. I was like, what? Oh, he was damn. like, Neil is dead to me. I was like, what are you talking about? I was, he said, Neil is dead to me. He said, I debted him. I was like, you can't debt him. He said, I dead, he, said, I got, he, he said, you know how I many brothers and sisters I got? I could debt anybody if I want, right? <laughs> he said, I debt him. And if you see him, he said, you tell him he's dead to me. Oh, he said, no, he went harder. He said, you tell him he's dead to me. And if you don't tell him he's dead to me, you're dead to me. So we're dealing with two deaths right now, right? Yeah, yeah. So I finally saw Neil, and it was hard. I had, I didn't want to get deaded by Kevin Brennan, <laughs> no, you know what I mean? So I, I saw Neil. I was like, yeah, I talked to Kevin, and he was like, what? He's like, I was like, you're dead to him, and I had to tell him, right? And he was like, he laughed it off, or whatever, right? Right. So I saw Kevin Brennan two months later. I was like, Kevin. I gotta tell you, I saw Neil and Adela, and he said, "Oh, oh, oh, I undeaded him." Right <laughs> I'm like, you, if you're gonna undead <laughs> <the> dude, <laughs> yo, if you're gonna undead the dude, you gotta let me know. I don't know who's dead around now. I'm dead because I did not undead him. When he undeaded. it was, but that's the story of their life. And I know yeah. they love each other, but they go back and forth all the time. I got the same
0: thing. I got four yeah. brothers and two sisters. And Ever since come. I was a kid,
5: There's no way can you like everybody. No, with no. that many. No, no, I, get I I don't
0: like anybody.
5: I no. got <laughs> <No. I get laughs> four. We'll make it even. I
4: don't. <laughs> You I have two kids and I'm only <laughs> fond of one of them. Yeah. Oh, there yeah. you go. so,
2: I got four
5: brothers and four sisters, and there's days where it's like, yeah. Man. But you, then know, I, I don't. But you <laughs> know what? I think as you get older, you know, like what you consider to be faults in people you just learn to live with it and, right. the, and then at the end of the day the bottom line is you love them you know right. what I'm saying like, yes, exactly. and I think you get so frustrated when you're younger because you say like, I need you to be this person I need you to be that person then after a while you realize that person is who he is yeah, right. so what qualities do I like about him right. I'll deal with that and other things so I'm you're saying have you grow
2: more
4: tolerant as you age of people's faults whereas I, we were talking about yeah. it this morning I feel I'm getting less I told now, I'm I'm morphing into him I'm now just oh, no no, no. But the tolerancy people. is really going yeah, out but
5: the damn window. Out the window for that situation. I'm talking about the tolerance for people that you love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair That's enough, what I'm talking about. No, not yeah. just fair like enough. a co-worker or somebody you love. It's like, they're not going to be out of my life. Yeah. They're my blood. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're an asshole right here. But this 10% of this part of them I like. So I'll just focus on that. And you deal with
0: it. We'll take a break. Be right back <laughs> in two minutes. Tom Bernard <laughs> Show. <laughs> why not bank with my banker north american banking company a better banking experience member fdic and equal housing lender tom bernard here for whiting clinic lasik and cataract there's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses whiting clinic is the place i trusted to do this for me and it's not just me
5: When I hear that song, I could just smell collard greens on the stove. Hey, bacon? Certain songs you just smell yeah. food. Yeah, I know
0: what you mean.
5: Yeah, all day. All right. All right. I've learned because I have some Muslim friends, I learned how to do it without it, but it's something about pork and collard greens that go together like peanut butter and jelly. You
1: know? <laughs> it is like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, what do you mean you learned to live without it?
5: Because um I was I was I was a Muslim for some part oh, of my life. Okay. I was going to say, it's like, not what, you can't find eat. it here? No, no, you can find pork anyway. Yeah, you All can. you got to do is like, where are the white guys hanging out? you definitely going to find <laughs> a ham shake, a shoulder. I, yeah. not, not, not if it's a white like. Jewish guy. Hang on. You gotta... Not the Jews. Yeah. Not, yeah.
4: No pork pork the the I Jews. can tell you where to get a deal on yeah. pork. but
5: And I'll tell you the room. I'll go get that bacon cheeseburger. I'll take a bite out of it, but nobody will see it in public.
0: <laughs> well, it'll happen. You know. yeah, Sorry, so you were Muslim for how long? Are you still a Muslim now? No, I
5: retired. Bacon You're took tired? me down. Bacon took you down. And it was because, like, my dad dad, I was telling you off, off off air, my dad was like a like a dope dealer mm-hmm. all of life, and when he was in prison, you know, when he, his prison is a place where some people really get in touch with religion, mm-hmm. and then he, like, became Muslim, and then my mom was in love with him, and she was, like, she was raised um, Baptist, but she loved him so much that she would, like, she converted oh, she did. to Islam, and then I think it was, I don't know which prison term he did, but I think my mom was just, like, she retired.
0: You, <clears throat> know. you retired being a Muslim. Yeah, it was like can't do it anymore. I understand that. You know, I retired lot, being there
1: Catholic. There are a lot of rules.
5: There are a lot of rules. You got a lot. And of they rules. have like you have to. Um, they do like before they pray, they do this thing called wudu. Wudu is a prayer where they, they, you have to wash your your body. You right. cleanse right. yourself, yeah. everything. And then from the time you finish that process till you kneel down and pray, you can't do anything unpure. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you get an mm-hmm. erection, you got to go start all over. And Why would you way, look
0: at me when you said no, that? No, I'm just <laughs> saying, because
5: I know that was the next question you were going to ask. It's like, yo, before you pray, can you have a hard penis? That's, that's can a hard I'd never can be a Muslim pray. as a kid. No. But, like, there's certain things that, like, forms of impurity, and, like, if you fart, you would have to start. Oh, and was, that was an ongoing joke me and my, my dad always had. We'd be walking, and he'd, he'd, all of a sudden, he'd be like, ah, I just broke voodoo. See, mm-hmm. that's,
4: so, in, in my humble opinion, and this is not a knock on, on, on Muslims, but. Any religion, I think, that tells you a fart and an erection are not natural and are some kind of dirty deed prior to prayer, I just have a hard time with personally.
2: Uh, the Catholic Church comes
5: So to what you're saying is that really? you could go <laughs> fart and have a hard and pray, on it, pray about it after? I've done that in shul, in synagogue.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure I've had both. I want you to do me a favor now.
5: Yeah. It's,
0: it, I think you can get this done, too. I want you to, you know, unfortunately, Charlie Murphy's no longer with us. R. R. I, I my to, brother. I used to love talking to Charlie Murphy. Great dude. Yeah, I talked to him about 200 times, and each time he had never knew who I was. No. <laughs> I was like a new person every time I talked to him. It's just how he was, right? Yeah. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to bring back black Jesus, but I want to be Jesus. What do you think?
5: We could do that. I mean, Slink, John, Slink Johnson. Oh, he, he, took, he was so you have, good. You will have to beef with him over it. but He was good. Yo, you know what? We maybe, I mean, this is an idea. You are so fond of that show. We should We should spoof it.
0: A spook Black Jesus. Yeah, and like you know what? Jesus? Like
5: the networks, the networks want to weren't doing anymore, and we got together. We was like, screw it, we're gonna do our own Black Jesus. I love black that. Could be Jesus. the swing. We should do one episode. We should do one fake fake episode. That'll be funny.
0: I loved it when Charlie Murphy walked in and said. I don't know if you know this or not, but we have a two in rule after six (laughs) o'clock. And it's six oh five. (laughs) One of y'all big ends gotta go. (laughs) Charlie
5: was man It
0: was
4: very fun. He was
0: that super guy.
4: He was. Oh, I God.
5: miss him, man. Oh, yeah,
4: I'll never forget the night at uh, our club up in Canada. He set off the uh, after after hours <laughs> a little after party at the club, and we oh, yeah. set off the smoke alarm. No, oh, man. I can't yeah, yeah. Was yeah. It was a Pipe
0: smoke or a cigar smoke It was just uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go with that. Pipe, <laughs> we Tom. Pipe. pipe it is. A pipe it is.
5: <laughs> We were at the. Uh, I went to his memorial, and me and Dave spoke, and it was just. It was one of those one of those services where like. You were, of course you were sad, but you just were happy that you had the memories with him. Mm-hmm. And Dave yep. D- and D- me and Dave haven't been in the church and I don't know how long. We didn't even know how to act in there. And the Dave looked at um one of Charlie's kids, and he, he wants to say, You guys are gonna be all right, you guys are in good company, Charlie had good friends. He said, But your dad, I'm gonna share the sentence that changed my life forever. Is when your dad looked me in my face during lunch and said, I fought Rick James on several occasions. <laughs> and it was that moment that I'm Rick James bitch yeah. was born. born. And the thing about what a lot of people don't know, and I respect and love Charlie so much, is that um, when we did Chappelle's show, Rick James sketch, Comedy Central didn't think it was funny.
2: They did. They thought it was
5: too long. What was not funny? They, the Rick James this sketch. is, and this is. I mean, they thought it was. They thought the sketch yeah. was too long because there was never a sketch show where you had one sketch from pretty much the whole episode. Right. Thought there was too long, and they thought that um, um, Charlie Murphy wasn't funny. And little did they, know, and it was. I was the warm up guy, when we did the show. And every time we showed that in, in in the audience, I just felt like something was about to change some lives. Like, mm-hmm. it was so, yep. so explosive. The yep. first time he said, I'm Rick James, bitch. And it was just like, pop, pop, pop. It was just like, it was everywhere, man. And a lot of things people don't, a thing they don't understand about Charlie. Charlie never did stand-up. And the way he started oh. doing stand-up is because, I, he's, he's such a tough, tough guy. Everybody thinks he's the most... My dad loves Charlie, the most gangster person. And when we were doing our roast battles, I used to say, yeah, you tough, but you won't get on a microphone. And I knew once I said microphone, it was going to be like, oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and this is coming from a guy that's been around the, some of the greatest ever right. doing I was like, I know you're not going to... Um, I know you'll never touch a mic. So after um, the second season of the Chappelle Show, we weren't really making a lot of money on Chappelle Show, but we was had some fame. I was like, well, there, there's no way we can just be this popular and not make money. So I was like, we got to do a tour. I came up with the idea to do the I'm Rich Bitch tour. At the time of the show, <laughs> um, me and Charlie was like outside of the day, we were the biggest names on the show. But I wanted the show to be dope. Bill Burr, at that time, Bill Burr probably was $800,000 uh, $800, a weekend headliner. Not to discredit him, because he mm-hmm. was bubbling. He was about to mm-hmm. pop. Right, But right. he wasn't the draw. But I was like, I want the show to be banging. Got um, uh, Bill Burr on the show. Charlie Murphy never had any stand-up experience. So I, finally, he went to an open mic with me. He went for the first time. All we needed him to do was like five or ten minutes. And during that time, we we went out. We went out for a year. We were selling out everywhere. And Charlie started to get his voice. You know what I'm saying? And he went like people were being really critical of him, like because of course they're gonna try to compare you to your brother. Right. That's never gonna be said. But they didn't know that he was his own man. He was his own style. And I will say, I don't know if anybody can imagine how it. Feels to basically be selling out across the country as an open micer. You know yeah, what I'm saying? that's right. And yeah, that's everything true. you're learning is not in those seedy spot where it's like ten people. Like you're yep. learning it in front of some of the biggest crowds, and within a year. He he started to grow. He honed his craft, dude,
4: and not only did he hone his craft, but then he started taking it so seriously that the second and third times he'd come back to your venues, your yeah. clubs, he was turning over new shows. Like yes. he didn't want to be one of those guys that just wrote that first forty-five, mm-hmm. rested on those laurels, and then, you know, collected and did his thing. And bank. it's
5: tough just to be able to, to. The first thing people do, oh, he's no Eddie Murphy, so and so, and Charlie Murphy Murphy's for years. So-and-so. Charlie, and this is what I respect about Charlie's relationship with Chappelle Show and what Chappelle's show did for his name before, all you heard of Charlie Murphy, like, if you first heard, we made jokes about it, Eddie Murphy's brother. Eddie Murphy's brother. And then when Charlie passed away, and one thing I respect and I love about the relationship with the show is that nobody said Eddie Murphy's brother passed away. Everybody yeah. said Charlie, Charlie. Murphy.
2: There's there two things yeah. that popped in my head from your conversation. One was... um <clears throat> Just, um, I was just listening to some of Eddie's old stuff recently. Right. And I could hear. Charlie clearly in some Eddie Eddies stuff but you so. gotta,
5: you know what and this is it's so funny you said that because I've been around their family, the mm-hmm. closest people that they love and you can tell and I, just by being around them you could tell in the household Charlie was the funniest funny. one right yeah. but oh, he had yeah. different plans yep. you could yep. tell and you could tell that Eddie probably used to look up to him like right. oh but and you also knew that Eddie was a performer. Mm-hmm. You know, I said Charlie was like instead of working a joke, he probably wanted to go rob somebody. You know what I'm saying? Right. But well, but Eddie,
4: Charlie—that actually, I, I think Charlie used to tell us the story that he got Eddie to do this first
5: set, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. He, um, he took him. Um, they said um, Eddie did it. It, uh, it was a Gong Show. It was a, a, right. a Gong Show thing. Eddie was like about probably like fifteen or sixteen. He said Charlie was like, "Yo, Eddie, they got a Gong Show thing over there. You shoulda, uh, you should go over there and just go get that money, because he just knew his brother was so dope." All he had to do was just go. And Eddie went there. He did some. Impre- he said, Yeah, do your impression, do this, and just get that money. And Eddie Murphy went there that night, and that birthed Eddie Murphy's career. And then the
2: other thing that popped in my head was it took me a long time to realize that Bill Burr was the commentator oh, yeah. for the. Uh, well, Af- the Dice.
5: The right. racial draft. And the racial did, draft. And Bill, and Bill did some other thing he did on Dudes Night Out. It was like that time, and Dave was like, the people on that show was like, the people that were on the first two seasons of that show were people that Dave respected. It wasn't a casting agency. It was just like, yo, I hung out with you before. Yo, let's do something dope. Let's do something dope. And Bill Burr at the time, Bill Burr was bubbling. You know what I mean? Bill Burr. Right. He got some pieces on Chappelle's show. But he already saw where he was gonna go. You know what I'm saying? Like, and right now he's one of the biggest, huge biggest job. headliners. He's huge Master. now. And you can see it. And like, I was lucky enough to be able to do a tour with Charlie Murphy, Bill Burr, where I was headlining. And I Man. tell people all the time, I'm like, you want to talk about following somebody? Try coming behind Chappelle's show, the hottest thing you ever heard on this Charlie Murphy, Charlie Murphy! Oh yeah. And from oh, that yeah. To start the show, to Bill Burr just demolishing a room. Yep. And like every show we did, Bill was on. At the end, when he got on stage, you could have really just said, Good night, everybody. And every night, I had to come behind Bill Burr and still find a place to take that show. I, there was no night that I could be off. No, I understand, one oh, I understand that. It Absolutely. makes you strong.
0: But I mean, you're a hell of an actor, too. And that, Thank you. The way you think, I had to. As an actor, had to enter into that. I would think, yeah. I, if I have to change a little bit who I am because of where he left me,
5: I gotta got to act like I, I, right. I can. I'm funnier. Yep. Or can not not even funnier, but just I know what you're saying. It's, you it's, not, it's you transfer. Up. It's transferring energy. Keep it going. Because people always try to say, "Can you follow?" I think if you know how to transfer the energy, you can follow anybody. When it gets in your psyche, like, "Oh my God, what they just did," but it's just like it's surfing. If you you got to know how to ride that wave. Yeah,
0: you got to ride the wave. Absolutely. Yep. Is it true that nobody else knows that Baltimore story about the wire?
5: I'm telling you, like I'm the only person that knows that story. No, like it's almost it feels like it's a it's an inside story, because people would always ask me like, yeah, man, they switched. They sw-. If you saw it was like a total reversal. It went from the 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 towers to the docks, and it was just because of yeah. what you said. It was like the Baltimore tourism boy was like, come on, man, enough is enough. Because you hey, know, right. have you ever watched the series The Corner? Yeah, I was in the corner. I played a lot of people didn't wreck I'm yeah, glad to did. Yeah, I know who didn't. you are actually. I play <laughs> A lot of people don't I mean like I was a heroin Is that addict. True?
0: That's not true.
5: <clears throat> yeah. No, like a lot of people, when they go back, they're like, whoa, I didn't know it because
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I played That's a heroin
5: addict. Right. I hope yeah. I don't look like a regular like <laughs> <laughs> You
0: look- I, I have some <laughs> I
5: recognized
0: now. you immediately.
4: <laughs> yeah, you look yeah. like a heroin <laughs> addict.
5: But um that that was the the wire was a spin-off of the corner. The right. corner yep. uh, Charles Dutton directed, it won like three Emmys. But that story was so dark; it was hard just to. You can't just have a story centered around the um, heroin addiction because it's going to be the same story. It's too dark. So the wire yep. was a spinoff of that. In fact, if you like look at it, it's so many people that were in the corner that flipped their roles and did stuff on the wire. And one thing I say about David Simon, Dave, whenever you talk about loyalty and family, mm-hmm. they keep that base of the group of actors like close by them.
0: You know, it's so interesting about that story, because I did hear the the finish. We are are part of an Italian restaurant down the block here, and David Simon, when he's in town, wanted to go, and there was no room. So I just... I don't know how he can. I don't even know how he found me, but you know, we got him in, and it was all. That's where I heard that story. He there was an addition. You to heard that. it from him. Yeah. See that you know,
5: that makes sense. That's all. Yeah. Who else is going to tell it? See, so I never watched the series. but, <laughs> oh, the,
4: funniest, God, but the funniest thing to me in hearing you recant it is you're calling it uh, that it was Baltimore tourism that got the that got it. Sh- and to me, when you You'll hear the term this. Baltimore tourism, it almost sounds like an oxymoron. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be, it's like saying nice toupee. It's just so like two words.
5: See, I you know, now, now this story makes. It so much sense be, yeah, right. because you heard it from his mouth. He told
0: me that that he ended up having to meet with the mayor. He said, "You can't make Baltimore look this bad. You can't do it." And David said, "Okay, well, I'll just move it to another city." And the mayor said, "Yeah, okay, I appreciate that, but you have to understand something, Mr. Mayor. I'm still going to say it's Baltimore." Right?
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. And you're about to lose a lot of revenue, work, and, and tax dollars you know, in your so own gave damn city.
5: No this is so funny. When I got when that's I got hilarious. when I got that role to be um, on the corner. I'm Jackie Brown Carmen. She was a big uh, casting agent in New York. And she brought me in for the audition and I was nervous as hell. And I was messing up. I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. And she was like, Donnell, just relax. God is in the room. You'll be okay. And f- for some reason, I calmed down. I'd read my lines. I still didn't think I had a great audition. I booked it and I was confused. I was like, what happened? And I talked to David Simon. I was like, how did I get this role? I don't think I had a great audition. He said... We liked that you didn't feed into the stereotype of a heroin addict. Right. And you were yourself. Because I didn't read the whole script to see that it was a heroin addict. It just seemed like a cool dude on the block. Mm -hmm. And that's what they wanted. They wanted to, you know, like, and I know everybody else that went in, they were going there like, yeah, man, they was doing a nod. They was like, next, next, next. And, and that's what got me rolling. That's what built the relationship with David Simon and the whole HBO crew. And it was awesome. For me to be able to, I was watching one of those, uh, looking at the magazine, Entertainment Weekly something. They had ranked, like, the top 100 shows of all time or whatever. Mm-hmm. Chappelle was, um, it came in, like, 39th or something. Uh, this is a crazy list. It's a huge list. God, and then The Wire be. was up in, like, the 10. But I felt so happy knowing that I was a part of, what people consider two of the best television oh, yeah. shows of all time. Well, it's true, because they were. Yep. We'll be
0: back in about two minutes, Tom But aren't you? What are the things you want to avoid when it comes time to sell your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindall. If you're like most people, it's things like open houses, staging, decluttering, repairs, maintenance, and all the people coming through your house.
4: Hey, Tom, the Guaranteed Offer Program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate was created for people like you so that you can avoid the things that you don't like doing when it comes time to sell your home.
5: jesus <laughs> i'm telling you that would be so funny man and it's like a bootleg version like you really like the show that much you don't want to see it loved it and nobody black wants to do black jesus anymore or whatever and you do it it would be i'm telling you It'd that's a winner deep. man that you would know be what funny
0: miss tootie on that show when she came oh white
5: do a bit i'm sorry i know. I'm just no, that's what i was thinking oh white do a black being jesus black is hilarious jesus
0: and it's, I'm, I'm, I'm
5: not gonna keep going into it, but especially <laughs> because of your because of your background, I'm saying it just makes yeah, it'll be great. it makes so much sense for you, not any white person. <laughs> and you get, it makes sense for you to be Black
0: Jesus. It can't be over the top either, like you know, some of these suburban uh, white guys when they say Man, start... just
5: put you in a robe and yeah, just be it. yourself.
0: I was be in a robe. You
5: are Black Jesus.
2: You <laughs> gotta get it done. You really are. Well, he, we'll get it done. He did radio in Florida, and they thought he was. Black. Oh, they thought I was black yeah, from no. day one.
5: Man, that's... Okay.
2: I mean, I'm telling
5: you, my creative comedy mind is just spinning. Oh, it. it's and jelly, and man. I'm telling you, Black Jesus
0: is so funny. Black Jesus starring Tom Bernard.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Wait a minute, he's a white
2: guy. <laughs> oh, Not,
5: my God. Yeah, but he doesn't know that, so it's never mind. It's almost like the watermelon man.
2: So, <laughs> <laughs> so did the um, network kill Black Jesus?
5: I really don't know uh, the story behind God, that I love
2: oh. you. Yeah. which makes it the Jews a yes <laughs> I
5: think sometimes uh things run their course and like I don't think people like are interested in having like a show on forever now no, it's they're just not like anymore. let me That's stick right. and move and keep it. you know what I mean I don't know
0: black Jesus It'd be yep. unbelievable
5: it was a good time I did an episode of it. I played um what did I play I played the grant or something. it was a Christmas special I'm gonna Google it yeah I was I did one episode
0: God, I loved it. I, I never missed an episode and I, I would introduce people to it.
5: It's so you know what like that set when I worked in it, it remind, it kind of reminded me of like on the Chappelle show, it was just it just felt like everybody liked each other, everybody like was fans of each other and everybody worked to make it good and fun. Yeah, that just how like it be. I mean my trailer now, it was just like it was just like felt right. family. Felt family.
2: Isn't that
0: wonderful? It's,
5: so and
2: that's hard my heart to get when they that. The show. Yeah. So how many it people did, it broke my heart. How many people yell these two lines at you?
5: Everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody. I'm rich, bitch. Right. I'm rich.
2: And... uh or call you Ashy Larry
5: oh my god th- it's, in <laughs> that, it's in the same
4: sentence anywhere. I love
5: Ashy Larry it's in the same sentence everywhere
4: as a club owner that's how we're pitching it in social media <laughs> and it's then, always like it's and not I don't Rawlings, have a, Ashy Larry from the Chappelle show
5: and I'm not like one of those actors like oh, don't call me that I've had so and so work like, oh god you know it's so hard to Take be recognized it, it's so hard to be recognized for anything in this business so if it's something people connect you gotta just go with
4: it. dude at the end of the day you now have a <clears throat> claim to fame that's that is I mean his last day forever
5: <laughs> I've had weird moments where I was dating this child and shit one time and she was from money. She was already loaded, right? And we were walking down the street and she didn't really, she was in a peace court. How we met is so strange. She was in a peace court. Didn't really know who or what I did. And we were walking down the street one day and somebody was like, I'm rich, bitch. And she said, me too. right? <laughs> <laughs> that was for me too. was negative. You know what I'm saying? That was just like, and it was so funny. It was so funny. And it was honest. And, but I, like with that, I never get upset about it. You know what I mean? It's something like... Why would you? Like, wonderful. Some people, some people have just crazy... I know. Just crazy attitudes. I'm editors. not that anymore. It's like, oh, so I feel like
1: um, Jason Alexander, uh, I'm sure he hears uh, George yeah. Costanza quotes. I'm, I'm sure yeah, he doesn't probably. love that because he did get typecast real hard.
5: Yeah, right. but, okay, get typecast after you made millions off of the <laughs> well, no, like, side. That's not a time after, to be typecast. Still,
1: currently, what are you yeah. talking yeah. about? Yeah. Still yeah. a cash He's cast. set for life. Huge. And then, like, you know, another 20, 30 lives. <clears throat> yeah. That was back when I... Man, that...
5: Dave Chappelle said something in my birthday party. I don't know. Is there any way I could play some audio for something?
1: If you
0: got it, we yeah. can play it.
5: What do it? like? What do you got to um? Andy, you know. Um, I know, like, yeah, Mike will be
0: able to plug your phone in once he gets back. I don't know. Yeah, I'm. A, I,
5: and I mean, yeah, I got he's
0: it. Sicilian, <laughs> though he might not ever come back.
5: No, Just <laughs> how he is. They spawned by. Oh, I'm never going to do that. Remember? <laughs> oh yeah, Baby,
1: <laughs> can, That's true
5: by, man. Yeah. can, can yeah. you tell? Yeah. That after, right after that, fire! <laughs> yeah.
2: Can you tell that we're all comfortable discussing race? You know and
5: stereotypes yeah. in this room? Oh, exactly. And the reason why you know why is because. Your discussion your, and your conversation, is it, it doesn't come from a nasty or, no. or ill well, mindset. does. Yeah. So I, don't <laughs> I don't believe that. I don't believe that. It doesn't come with a bad. You can but look at somebody's face. But everyone. But yeah. right. Oh, then that's even. All right. Shout All right. out to the I, Chinese. It, you know, know. I
2: <laughs> the day I met him was at a basketball. That's right. College basketball game, and he invited me on his radio show that day. I did. I didn't come in. But he invited me on that day. I mean, I'm not look. I wasn't looking at being radio. I was right. finishing
5: up college and it just whatnot. Happened? Yeah, and that's how. I, that's when I did radio. I did three stints on morning shows, and they were all because someone had just got fired. So I would come and just fill in, and they was like, "Oh, we might can have something popping." All three times, that's how I got the job, and all three times I got fired from those jobs. <laughs> and they say you're nobody in radio unless you've been fired three times. That's no. what I've heard.
0: Well, I've been at this job now for 32 years. You've never job. been fired? I mean, I got fired a lot before this job.
5: Yeah, <laughs> in, in the radio world or before radio? Yeah, I've,
0: I've been in radio actually for forty-seven years, and I got fired a lot the
5: first uh, fifteen years. Nobody does that. Does what? Who is in radio that? Who's who's next Nobody. to you? Tom Joyner mate Tom Joyner's yeah, he's been a long time. He probably got like forty. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, but probably. that's crazy. But that's it's, crazy. It's hilarious. You stood the storm. But PBMs and all of that stuff are yeah. still standing. PBMs. I remember Diaries.
0: World. Yeah, I do too, man. I and love Diaries. And once they
5: went from Diaries to PBMs, the black radio just went to like a, a playlist. Yeah.
2: They no, didn't think right.
5: that they, they, radio black radio thought that the only thing that you can engage the audience with is with music. Mm-hmm. So, like, I remember I did some shows, like, in an hour, we may have two talk breaks, three talk breaks, and nobody thought their personalities were strong enough for people just to listen for the personalities. They thought they just listen to music, and mm-hmm. that was one of the reasons black radio is like it's dying
0: yeah well they got to keep an eye on uh, what they should allow on all channels doesn't matter what the format is talk is the only thing that's going to keep radio Agreed,
5: lot. but they don't think anybody's interesting enough. You know what I'm saying? But if you look at it, you on radio city- are not going to
0: be interesting to be phenomenal. No, on
5: me. Radio. What I'm saying, me. Right, right. But there's not a lot of me's. You know what I'm saying? Like no, I would I be great, but no, then you but have a lot of people that aren't great, so they rely on they re- they rely on like we're giving away thirty thousand dollars in two minutes. You right. know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? They rely on that because their personality is not strong enough to do it. You look, just there's nothing re- interesting.
0: Re- you just reminded me of growing up in the neighborhood. You know how, what you did just now reminded me of growing up. What? You went,
5: well, yeah, I'd be great. (laughs) I'm telling the truth. I'm telling the truth. I'm like, you know, you. I I don't know about the other people, me. Yeah, I just had to. And it was an honest moment. 47
4: years? That's pretty good. But I'm fantastic on the radio.
5: But that's not just me saying it, though, man. It's just not me saying it. I'm just echoing. I'm just echoing what people feel, man. No, no, you're absolutely (laughs) right. And I really want to get, but it's not a lot of. I, I I really miss doing morning radio. I would jump. On another opportunity to do no, you radio. wouldn't. I you are I not would.
4: prepared to be up at three thirty in the morning. you let me tell you I at wouldn't night. be
5: up. I just wouldn't go to sleep. <laughs> I did it. I Andy, balance it.
1: My son, same story.
5: Yeah, I, I gotta I go
1: sleep at like five a.m. if I can.
5: No, but I the reason. But the reason well, I would, I if I know I have to be up that early, then I'm not going to pull the times that I do now. When yeah, I used to do yeah. radio, I loved doing. But I said it was different times. It was in New York, and It was always. That up in the air thing like, all right, I'm out. Do I stay all the way yeah, out? Yeah, you never know. Or what I do so a lot of times I was in the green room, they had to wake me up to go to work, yeah. but I was at work. Are we gonna
0: are we gonna set up that audio? They're trying to. It's the
1: new iPhone, and remember how they removed the headphone jack? Oh yeah, that's jack? Yeah, right. You gotta just, go. But that he's was... gonna—he's gonna get it on his phone and then play it that way. I forgot about
5: that. They—they they, you have to have that um, adapter. I know that's the dumbest. Like why? And I was looking like, what's taking it so long? I'm like, all you gotta do is plug it in, but yeah.
1: Why remove the headphone jack? I don't get it. Why did they? I don't know because that's I mean
5: what... we have Google. We can Google. That's a good question. Why did they remove the headphone jack from so the iPhones? <laughs> Google. So we can it. sell them some us other
2: know. stuff. Well, the saddest thing, uh, at work, I work, work across the hall from the IT group, and they said there are clowns who have sending out emails to people telling you you can drill your hole, oh, your yeah. own hole into your, your new yeah. iPhone. Yeah, that's yeah. a good idea. To, for what? Oh, oh, to do that? A, yeah. Of course it ruins the phone. ruins yeah. the phone,
1: but other than that. Right. Well, if someone believes that, should they be allowed to have a phone, though? <laughs> or breathe? Not. They're going to kill themselves. The same person
5: needs a new iPhone because they changed the color.
1: Yeah, that's
5: true. Oh yeah, this one is better why because the black one yeah. is better than the white one. Mm-hmm. That, that sounded race. That sounded It really sounded terrible. <laughs> <laughs> terrible.
1: Going
4: back although, to black radio guys, you got be a better. black phone. Yeah, yeah, you got a black
1: phone. <laughs> but the Asian one works especially well.
0: <laughs> I tell you very quickly before he fires that up, so the uh, very my very first break on the radio I was like 18 years old just, you know, been kicked out of every school I've ever been in, quit high school when I was in 10th grade, went to college for one day and then I went to broadcasting school and they kicked me out of there seven times and the guy says to me, look there's a job at a 500 watt day timer over in St. Paul, nobody else wants the job but if you want the job you can have it, so I go over there and then I find out it's a country station Country and Western Station. Right. So I go on, I do the first break and go, uh, here's uh, Dolly Parton. <laughs> and the phone just blows up. The phone's just ringing off the hook. I'm like, hey, they think I'm really, really wonderful. Go, right. KDN, the guy goes, get that big N off the air.
5: And that was the before video. Yeah, that was before video or anything like no, I'm telling you. <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> wow. serious. That's funny. Yeah, it was
0: the first call I ever took in radio. A guy called me the big end. Wow. But but well,
5: how did that but is, was that the birth of it and everything worked out from there or you just some... Yeah,
0: I I just, you know, uh, what happened was I bounced around a little bit and then there was a station uh, over in St. Paul, KSTP. It was an AM station at that time and uh, they were blowing up, and I called a guy like eighty-five times. Said, "Look, I'll run the Jesus tapes on Sunday. Whatever right. you got, you know the old deal. You work and work and work and work, and finally it
5: catches." Yeah, that's the old deal. People don't have those. They don't think like that money. anymore. No. They, they, they don't throw blows. where y'all mean? Literally, <laughs> was well, that all of us feet? No, no, I'm the talking about is it was it in D.C., New York? Comedy C. Club Is that not the right one? Let me see.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Donnell's headed over there. Let me handle this. <laughs> Which
5: one did you send? Did you send? You got it. No, not that
0: one. That's not the first one. We might have heard
4: some interesting
5: stuff if
0: we kept that going.
5: (laughs) No, that was a good one, too, but this one, I mean, we could double up on them, you know.
4: Now, this is, I'll set this up before I get out of here. Actually, I just watched this, and uh, it's a really nice piece. Uh, Donnell just recently celebrated his birthday and had a big bash out in L.A., and uh, Dave got up on stage and uh, had some uh, really, really quite beautiful words. I mean, stuff. he's a really eloquent speaker, and I mean, I've only had the, the privilege of meeting Dave a handful of times, and... Just uh, Donnell and I were talking about this while driving here. He's just mm-hmm. always been one of the most genuine people, and uh, yeah. really easy to talk to, and and very articulate, very intelligent, very well read. knows certainly what's going on politically, uh, knows what's going on geographically. I mean, he's just a sharp cat, and uh, it was really a, a nice thing, uh, a, a nice moment.
5: And it was him. And it was him. It, 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 you don't men. understand how hard it is to be. You a headphones on. Yeah. You don't understand the fucking disappointments that go along with it. And then even though you get disappointed, you get your heart broken, things don't go the way you want them to. You still get out on that stage every night. You say, Waka Waka.
7: Now, let me tell you something. I've
5: been doing this for 30 years. I'm only 44. This motherfucker has the enthusiasm of a child for 25 years straight. This motherfucker is the man.
0: And just when I I thought we had reached the bottom of the well, he had his first son, and I knew his well went so much deeper. I work with this guy on the road, night after night. He keeps me in line. I get tired. He says, Dave, man, look what the fuck we're doing. And his excitement, I borrow his eyes, and I look at my own life, and I say, this is not a bad life.
3: Yeah,
0: baby. Yeah, baby. (laughs) Yeah, baby. Yeah, I, I, that surprised me because I didn't even think he knew
5: me. He <laughs> <laughs> like this. I'm gonna cut my voice. In. Give it up for Black Jesus, everybody. <laughs> That's right. No, uh, but it was just like, and it wasn't. That wasn't self-serving. It was just like no, the thing that came no, the no, most no. for mm-hmm. me was like what it takes, and like people don't understand that. You know, they see you when they see you. People don't. A lot of times they don't see all the work and everything it took for you to get to a certain place, and it is tough. But at the end of the day, like you said. It's not a bad life.
0: Oh, it's a great life, no question. Tom here from my friends at Walzer Automotive Group with some exciting news. Walzer's rolling out Walzer Care on new and most used cars they sell in Minnesota. Well, Walzer Care is a powertrain warranty with coverage for 10 years or 150,000 miles. Powertrain coverage is like major medical coverage for your car engines, transmissions, all the really expensive stuff is covered. In addition, Walzer Care includes 24 hour roadside assistance, lock your keys in your car, run out of gas.
3: Pretty interesting. All right. Those are the conversations that specifically I wanted to come to have with you. I wanted to be able to talk about the kind of stuff that you would normally have a conversation about off the air because it's not the format for it. So, right. Right. Um, so being able to talk to you in this format and say, you know, you you have a very interesting perspective because you've had. So many people sit in front of you. Yeah, 34 and, years now. And you also have, uh, you know, there's there's needs that you need to have met for your audience. You know, you, you, you want to make sure a guest comes in and is yep. entertaining. So not a lot of people know that there's, from your point of view, you want your guest to come in and take over and make your job easy and, and entertain your audience. And not mm-hmm. a lot of comedians, surprisingly, get that. Or
7: or can do that. Or Or can can
3: do do that, that. yeah. And it's for a variety of reasons. There's comedians who don't want to burn their material or... um, Or they want to be interviewed. They don't want to be funny on the air. They want to be interviewed, and that's...
0: Which is what I do anyway, Is I don't ever ask them to do their act. never no. yeah. Ever. I don't ever do that. Just whatever you want to talk about, I'm here to moderate it, and, uh, and we're, we're good to go. So, yeah, I don't have any problem with that at all.
3: Was there ever anybody who came in who... And this might not even necessarily be comedian-wise, but what I think is really interesting is in my time working in radio, is I got to meet a lot of people who I love and admire and, and respect, and... And sometimes they didn't meet my expectations when I got to meet them. Mm -hmm. On the flip side of that, there were people who I had little or no respect for, or I just didn't even really think twice about a certain individual that would come on a show, and I'd go, man, that guy was awesome.
0: Mm
3: -hmm. Uh, Is there anybody that fits that category where you weren't necessarily a fan or didn't know much about them, and then they just blew your socks off?
0: God, let me think about that because I, I was thinking about people I didn't like and then people I really liked. Okay, but then let's let's someone... start with that
3: that first question was really who over the years because you've talked to almost mm-hmm. everyone in comedy, who were yeah, your yeah. favorite comedians that you ever had on and why My did you like them? comedians?
0: Yeah. You no, know, we we have to set aside Louis Anderson and Nick Swartz and the local guys Of got course. set them aside because we become lifelong friends. Yep. So that doesn't count. But, um, my God, there's so many. That's the whole problem. I love comedy. Love comedians, love comedy. So it's pretty tough to pick. There are some digits. Well, from the first time you came in, I loved working with you because Mm -hmm. you do so many different things. You have a different perspective. You're happy to do it. You're excited about (laughs) doing it. That's a big part of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, we were just uh, just talking about Bob Rivers. Uh, Two years ago, Catherine and I went to dinner down in Boca Raton, Florida, with Bob Rivers, Paul Castronovo from Miami, Oh yeah, of course. Brother Weez.
3: Oh my god.
0: And and our wives. Wow. That was one interesting night for Catherine. I'll
3: tell you <laughs> if you don't know these names in these markets, he just named <laughs> yeah. a, a king of Seattle, a king of Miami and a and um the guy who arguably may be the mayor of Rochester, yeah, Brother yeah, Weez. He right. is you're he right. is I've hung out with him in the city of Rochester before. And that was a crazy experience. Everywhere yeah, he was. went, he was, you know, constantly shaking hands, kissing babies. and um, But, yeah, so you're you're having dinner with these guys in Boca Raton. It was and- phenomenal. And <laughs>
0: Catherine's like, oh, my God. I
7: know. It was just exhausting.
3: <laughs> my
0: <laughs> favorite, Paul Castrono, because Paul and I have known each other for years now. And I've known Bob for a few years now. And I just met Brother Weez that, that first time. That's the first time I ever met him. <laughs> but Paul Castronovo we were on a, a, a panel last year in Chicago, the, the four radio people who've been on the air for over thirty years.
3: I, well, they referred to it as the Legends Panel. I was there. Yeah, I'm not, i actually sat in the audience I, for that. I, I I'm, not,
0: I'm not using the legend. Yeah, it, it, was, it was the
3: Radio Legends Panel, and I, I was in the audience for that. One of the greatest
0: parts of it is is, is uh, Steve Dahl. Yep. Uh, kind of kind of went after paul castronovo because paul was on his show and and doll hung up on him a few years earlier oh i didn't know he, this. He, he brought it up and castronovo brought it up on the panel and doll was very open about it and lamont you know from yeah uh, lamont and said, tinelli was, out in san francisco lamont was their nicest guy in the world yeah great guy <laughs> so we're sitting up there and the place is absolutely jammed and steve Dahl says yeah, I just, I just didn't like your attitude. I didn't like the way you treated me. I didn't like the way you just comport yourself. And I said, he's Italian. What do you think he was going to do? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. looks at me like, what? <laughs> that was fun. That was a lot of fun. It
3: yeah, it's, it. um, uh, it's funny to, to hear radio guys, um, uh, as a comedian, to hear about those experiences. And also, I started in 1993 in radio. And everyone I met in radio, actually, everyone I met in radio and comedy told me the same thing. Everyone said, you just missed it. Like, it it was such a party right before you got here. (laughs) We we did coke at work. (laughs) We uh, invited listeners to come in and and have sex. We we did everything here right before you got here. And then at the comedy clubs, I would hear that uh, it was a common... Thing to hear at the end of a week working at a comedy club in the eighties? Do you want to get paid oh, in green or white? Yeah, oh, oh yeah. You can wow. get paid money, or you can get paid in coke, and uh, <laughs> it, that was insane to me. Um, yes, I could see that. And uh, so I, I, I apparently just missed the party, and it's if, probably a good thing. I was literally just about to say the same thing. It, it would have killed me because um, I, I, you know, I already damaged myself enough to get to where I had to just stop and go, all right, I, I can't live this way anymore. But um, uh, but I think it's really interesting. So, um, you know, Louis, obviously, Nick are, are great comedians. Yep. Is there anyone that stands out in your mind that you just had a difficult time with that was a stand-up comedian there on are the There are two of them, actually. Okay.
0: And I can't remember, this it makes me sad, I can't remember his last name, but he was on Saturday Night Live. His name was Rich, but I can't remember his last name. Are
3: you sure it wasn't Rob Schneider? was not
0: rob <laughs> i get along with really okay. well
3: because Rob, if yeah. I can just tell you quickly, yeah. uh, Rob is notorious for being grumpy. Yeah,
0: he's never been grumpy with me. <laughs> okay, As a matter of fact, I have his phone number. He gave me his phone number. He goes, okay, can call anytime. But you know the reputation. Yes. Okay. I do. I, I did do. a radio row
3: with friends of mine at the Grammys <laughs> once. <laughs> uh, it was a pre-Grammy radio row, and I had multiple friends call me and say, "Hey, we're broadcasting. They were broadcasting in Los Angeles from Radio Row. I live in Los Angeles. Can you come down and join us? Just have some fun." So by the time Rob Schneider walks over to this table, I am just locked into being just Tracy Morgan on the air. I'm just I'm right. just uh, hey, we're broadcasting live back to St. Louis and we're being joined by Tracy Morgan and blah blah blah. So Rob Schneider comes over and they go, "Hey Tracy, um the host. This is my co-host, and this is Tracy Morgan. And I go, "Hey, what's happening, white people?" Or whatever I say. right. right. You know, this Rob Schneider's making me horny. That's crazy. <laughs> and, then, uh, and Rob stops, looks at me, and goes, "Wow, that's." He, he kind of smiles and he goes, "Man, you know," kind of gives me a, a nod, like, "Wow, I like that." And my buddy asks him a question that hit Rob the uh. wrong way. Oh, yeah, he
0: can be really difficult. Not and, with me ever, though. He and great.
3: Rob and my buddy start going back and forth. It escalates quickly Whoops. to where Rob stands up and shouts out, F you! Whoa. I will kick your ass if you keep asking me about that. And they go, man, we're sorry. We're just trying to ask you about That's this question. Hilarious. And Rob goes, no, F you, F you, F you. Then he turns and looks at me and goes, it's a good Tracy Morgan and he walks away. <laughs> <laughs> and my buddies go, Man, what an a-hole. And I went, no doubt about and it. And I went, I don't know, I, I thought he was pretty nice.
4: <laughs> he <was a> complimented <laughs> like me, me
3: before he walked
0: away. No. So Last, all right, so there was a guy named Rick. He was on okay. the
7: podcast when you felt bad. You were sick. Who was? Rob.
0: No, but he and I hit it off really, really well. And he calls into the show once a while. He's terrific. Yeah,
7: and he was involved, he's involved in some sort of vitamin. Company.
0: Okay. Oh, and he
3: was
7: trying to get Tom to take some vitamins. So he
0: oh, could he feel was. Better. Yeah, he wanted me to take vitamins. <laughs> really? I was hey, you, about,
7: you were like so sick. I was.
0: Yeah. You were about to say, I need to qualify. Uh, my, my, my choice for, for the, my two favorite comedians I've ever. One of the things, and I just talked about this again this week, is I've been doing radio now for 48 years. And there was, wow. a, well, there was a, about a five year period in there where I just worked at Capitol Records. So it hasn't been 48 years straight, but it has been 34 years on the KQ Morning Show. Okay. So I do have to qualify something, that when I first started meeting all these people, um, I was floored by the fact, like, I get to sit down and talk to all these people. Of course. It was unbelievable. Dang. So I got to, you know, just because of who they, the, they were, they're no longer with us. But to interview Rodney Dangerfield oh my God. and Don Rickles was unbelievable. Yeah, It was unbelievable. I made Don Rickles cry. We were just talking about this this morning. Because I I just talked about it in here. Last hour? Mm -hmm. Last hour. uh, That I, you know, that I I said, hey, you know, I saw you on Run for Your Life with Ben Gazzari playing that character Willie Hatch. And everybody hated the comedian. And he has a nervous breakdown at the end. I said, that was some great acting, Don. And he teared up and said, that's so nice of you to say that. Hmm. He just, it was so sweet. It was unbelievable. Did
3: Did he bust your balls, too?
0: No, he was, it, it kind of put him in a situation wow. where he just was so grateful that somebody thought he was a good actor. Wow. But he was, what a gentleman. And then Rodney Dangerfield was honest to God. Was, <laughs> I found out later in the day after I, I interviewed Rodney that he had been driving down the street in a rental car and he saw this woman and hit on her and tried to get her, you know, to get in the car. It was my wife. Get out of here! He did not. Oh, he get yes, out, out of here! here.
7: He didn't try to get me in the car.
0: Well, he was hitting on but you. But he was hitting on you! <laughs> <laughs> I,
3: like, I like that she clarifies, it's he a... didn't actually have sex <laughs> with me. <laughs> That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole argument. More than one. That's the whole argument. Wow, Rodney, uh, I wish I had gotten a chance to work with, uh, or just even interact with him. I... I got to do an event they opened a Rodney Dangerfield Institute 2 years yeah. ago in oh, Los yeah. Angeles where you can learn how to be a comedy writer oh. or a comedy performer and at the grand opening of the Rodney Dangerfield Institute we did a there was a live stage performance of Back to School right and Brad Garrett played Rodney's character yeah and yep. Brad Garrett uh, does an amazing Rodney he Dangerfield. Does, he does yeah and they had Paul like Rodriguez Brad. they had an all-star cast and they asked me to read for Professor Turgisson, which was Sam Kinnison's uh, oh, character. Yeah. And did they want you to do it as Sam? Yeah, they, and I did it as Sam. And I actually I, I got up in Brad Garrett's face and screamed at him and "Say
4: it! Say it! Say it!"
3: Brad and I had never met each other before. He actually booked me within two days. He booked me to headline the Brad Garrett's really? Comedy Club in Vegas. In uh, Vegas, yeah. In oh, Vegas, right. and uh, yeah, great he, guy. Man, we got along famously. And um, uh, Sam Kennison, by the way, I know I'm going down multiple rabbit holes no, here, fine. It's but good conversation. I always think about moments that I. Uh, there's moments that stick out of my mind as as rare moments that I think, wow, that's really special. There used to be a half-hour show on late night on TV after Carson and after Letterman with Bob Costas. He used to do a show called Later yeah, where he I did a 30-minute you know. interview. And everybody that Bob talked to invariably would stop and go, how did you know that? They, yeah. He really seemed to do his homework mm-hmm. on these people that he had on. And he had Sam Kinison on his show. And I thought, what the hell is Bob Costas going to know about Sam Kinison? Bob says... Sam, I used to watch you back at the comedy store Back in the early 80s And back then <laughs> Your entire act Was yeah. based on that day's obituaries And I remember thinking You know what, this guy's brilliant But he's never going to make it Because he's too dark, <laughs> dark. And Sam yeah, sure. stopped and went Oh man, how'd you... yeah, I remember that Yeah, I used to uh... And he explained the bit And this is dark Apparently, Sam said, I, I used to go on stage, and uh, be, before I had I had an act, I would say, I would I would grab the obituaries from that day's newspaper. I go on stage, and I go, I want to thank you guys for coming out tonight. Thanks for supporting stand-up comedy. I'll tell you a couple people that you won't be seeing here tonight. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and he would start reading off the names of people who just died. Oh. And go, like, uh, Esther Goldberg. No, she, she didn't catch the bus. She's not here.
1: <laughs> oh. But
3: apparently if you want to see Esther's work, you can see it this Sunday oh. at Evergreen and then it was oh. insane. <laughs> it was so dark. Not it was surprise, so though. so dark. But Rodney um, I got to meet uh, Rodney's widow. I got to, Oh, she's a sweetheart. She yeah. is a sweetheart. Yeah. She actually invited me to come over to the family home and showed me Books and books of Rodney's television appearances. Mm-hmm. He wrote down his sets word for word really? for every set that he did on The Tonight Show. Um, he And the notes were amazing. The very top of the page would say, what a crowd, and in parentheses, times two.
5: Yeah. So he'd go, yeah. what a crowd,
3: what a crowd. <laughs> <laughs> and he, there was that much thinking that went into what he did. And as I went back and researched the movie to get ready to do the role in the live stage reading, it just hit me how perfect Rodney Dangerfield was. He was oh, God. so relatable, amazing. even to uh, successful people. You could relate to this never catching a break
8: and mm-hmm. getting no respect. Right. Yep. You know? You know, it's, it, it's interesting that a lot of the... Oh, wait, break here. Could you hold... You I for,
0: hold it.
6: Hold on. Yeah, this is time. a good one. Hold my
2: ear
0: <laughs> Ralph Basham in two minutes. Ralph Greg is Gatt. about to say something shocking be <laughs> <and laughs> <laughs> outrageous. <laughs> Stay tuned or go to kissonline.com. and <laughs> <laughs> Click on my codpiece. I'll tell you what he says. <laughs> Back in two minutes. Or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK. Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Tom Bernard here. And with me is the CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Tell me, Michael, I was reading on your website that one of your bankers has worked with a customer for more than 30 years. It's a long time for any business relationship. Is that common?
6: Not only 30 years, but two generations
0: Never liked you, by the way. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company? A better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender.
6: Thanks, friend. And you are <laughs> real nice, Chuck Nabla.
0: <laughs> Chuck <laughs> Nabla. Now we're talking, ladies and gentlemen. Segment two. Craig Gas in studio. He is at uh, New Hope Cinema Grill Thursday night, two shows Friday night, two shows Saturday, and then he's at the Red Carpet, St. Cloud, on Sunday for Father's Day. Yeah, for Father's Day, I'm
3: doing uh, all the tickets are available at getgas.com. Getgas
0: with two S's dot com. I like it. Ralph Basham was asking a question.
8: Well, off, off air, we were talking about how just how great a comedian uh, Rodney Dangerfield was. And I remember I grew up in a, I grew up in a wasp. You know, ultra white uh, household, and I when I was about ten or twelve years old, I saw Rodney Dangerfield on the Ed Sullivan Show. Oh, oh man! God. And I saw this this New York Jew, and I looked at him and I go, "This is the best thing I have ever heard in my life." I was a lifelong fan. Yeah, yeah. we were at the Laugh Factory. Oh, this has been set right before right before he passed. Oh yeah, at the Laugh Factory. And we're there, we're seeing some comedians, great show. And and uh, the MC says, uh, We have a special guest tonight. We have, we have Rodney Dangerfield. And Rodney Dangerfield's in the crowd. He gets up on stage, he comes up on stage, shorts on, black socks, these white <laughs> old, old man shoes at the time. And he, he's got this loose kind of shirt, you know, just really loose, unbuttoned down, you know, three or four buttons, the hair sticking out. He's a little disheveled, and he, go, and he goes and he he starts warms up the crowd. Yeah, just all of his standard kind of jokes warms yeah. the crowd up. Yeah, reaches into his pocket, pulls out a sheet that was torn out of a spiral notebook, spiral oh. ring notebook. Yeah, with jokes he was going to use on the Tonight Show in a couple of nights. Wow. Yeah. So this man really worked at this craft. I mean, it was it was like so many professionals. I mean, he had he had written these jokes and he said, "Well, I got to try these jokes out." Because when you when they tell them there, sure. everybody kind of laughs in the audience. But you you want you want to, you know, move the move the mark. Yeah. So he goes and he reads through these jokes and he hits so many, he hits that timing. He hits that timing. People are laughing. People are laughing. He comes up to the last one. He hits that punchline. There's not a sound in the house. Oh, not a sound. Man. He looks out. He goes, really? He says, I thought that was the best one. Wow. I mean, it was just, to, to just see an insight for someone of that stature right. to expose himself to that vulnerable, be vulnerable.
0: Yeah. yeah. Wow. To do that, I mean how bomb.
8: important that well how important <laughs> that is for comedians to do that because Jay Leno worked at the at the uh, uh, Hunting, comedy and magic but, club in, in Huntington yeah. Huntington Beach he did yeah. it every week he did an, I went I saw him there he did an hour hour and a half Yep, every Sunday every Sunday Yep. you know it was a for so pe- it's people that are really good really work at it they're writing they're thinking they're trying they're and then they're retrying rewriting and tre- retrying you know in that process and I have. In the past, I, comedians—I always thought—what, would what, That the only job, they're reason they're doing this? Because that's the only job they could get. They're right. goose, goose <laughs> in school. No, yeah. truly, well, some yeah. of them are like and, that. And yeah. the, peop, and oh, the yeah. people I've met who are truly successful really work, and yeah. they have an incredible yeah, work ethic, and they have an incredible intellect. And that's in every line of work. Yeah. Like you yeah, see, no different. I noticed that
3: successful people um, in all different formats of the entertainment business, and all the different corners of the entertainment business. Are always open to suggestion, and they work really hard at what they do, and they, um, uh, and they usually will uh, pick up the phone, you know. And it's it's a well, it's I guess not maybe not everybody I can think of, but but they're but it is uh, something they they put energy into and 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 dedicate uh, as a craft. Can I curse on this podcast? Sure. Okay, because okay, I got a big one.
0: <laughs> well, Cassie can edit it. This is also on radio stations around the yeah, state. I can but I will she'll, she'll edit it before. Okay, it goes she can off. Edit it? Okay. Okay.
3: Yeah. Um, I do remember being at an open mic once with Mitch Hedberg, and Mitch uh, did. Uh, I think we each had five minutes, so Mitch did three minutes, and then he pulled out a a, a, a sheet that he had ripped from a legal pad, and he said, "These are these are some jokes that I just wrote that I want to try out right now." And he started with the first one that just kind of went missed, and then he tried the second one. Missed the mark again. Mm-hmm. Some girl oh in the God. back and this is the most out-of-character Mitch story you'll ever hear. Some girl in the back of the room said, Try the back of the paper. <laughs> oh. And Mitch looked out, it was so disruptive the way this woman yelled it out that Mitch looked in the back of the room to where that voice was coming from, flipped over the paper and said, Oh yeah, the back of the paper says, Tell that cunt in the corner to shut the fuck up. <laughs> 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 oh. Never heard Mitch act like that before or since, but yeah, yeah, that's a crap. I I don't want to get derailed, though, because Tom was starting to say, uh, Uh. he said that his two favorites that he got to talk to were Don Rickles and Roddy Dangerfield. You started to say there were two guys who come up in the category of least favorite or just did or missed yeah. their mark on the show. And you started to say one of them was a guy who used to be on SNL and his name was Rich something. You Rich, can't remember his last name. Was it Rich Hall? Yeah, there was a guy named Rich Hall. Yeah. yeah. I, that was actually my second guess was Rich Hall. Oh. He said before I was thinking, maybe you're thinking Rob Schneider because I know he has that reputation. No, no, but what Rob happened with
0: Rich Hall? Rich Hall came in. And he sat in the studio. And the whole time he was on the air, he didn't say a word. He read the newspaper. can Get- out loud, or we no. just wow. sat there reading the newspaper. He wouldn't even look up. Oh. Like, okay, that's mm. really great. That's. That's wonderful. Why wow. waste
7: everybody's time? Why wow. show up?
0: Joe from Louisville just texted me, but this guy, well, he's trying to do comedy. He doesn't qualify as a comedian, but Jeremy Piven is the biggest prick I've ever met. In my I've first.
3: heard that from a few people.
0: Because oh, Jeremy Piven right now
3: is yeah. going to comedy clubs all over the yes, United States. He is is right. he really? And he's doing, he's hes making himself available for uh, radio interviews to yes. promote these gigs. But he's terrible. And I'm hearing that from well, radio
0: people all over the country. He's trying to
7: salvage his reputation, I'm guessing. Well, and
0: not doing a good job of it. Put it this way: Like Craig Gas comes to town, and your opening act is Catherine, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So you're both in studio. Yep. So I'm interviewing both of you. I'm not going to leave somebody just ignore them. Yep. At the end, he stands up and goes, "You know, maybe you should interview me because I'm the star."
1: Ooh. Get out of here! Oh. No! no. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no! Diva,
7: don't you know <laughs>
1: who I oh,
3: am? Oh my God! And oh, I told that him,
0: is a bummer i told him i'll give you a head start and then i'm coming after you oh really? <laughs> what a jerk wow that is um, a bummer and the other guy that was a complete pain in the ass this guy named colin Kane. Oh, i think God. was his
3: name you know what's weird i've heard this from another radio guy and i can't remember where go. but but there was at least one other person who said to me i didn't like colin Kane. it was
0: terrible really he, after i interviewed him he went to the airport, got on the plane, and left town. He never even did the weekend. Really? No, he just he blew it. Up for, I don't know, the guy, he said, you know, uh, I don't feel like being funny today. And I said, so far you're doing a great job. <laughs> right? Right.
7: I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> We're he, playing he ball. Not
0: in the least. But he went on and on and on about how he, uh, mm-hmm. he doesn't usually do radio. And I just, you uh-huh. know, I get so many people to show up just going on Twitter. I don't need radio. And I, and I said, why would you come in here then? I don't really understand. And he I said, get lost. So he got up and went to the airport and flew back home. Never wow. made the appearance. Rick Brown's house of comedy. I l <laughs> no, I don't understand
3: that and I, I don't I don't, des- either. I don't understand how how uh, how that perception happened where people thought, Well, radio is a certain style of radio there's only one style and they and they describe what used to be called the morning zoo style yeah, uh, of yeah. radio. Which um You know, I'm a fan of radio I love radio But I also do something That lends itself so perfectly to radio That that I can do voices And I can do You know Just to reset the clock on this This is uh, uh, For anyone who doesn't know I've always been able to do any voice that I hear Because of how I grew up My whole family is deaf And growing up in a deaf family I couldn't learn how to talk from my family I learned how to talk by copying all the voices I heard on TV and when someone like Tom understands when I say to him, can I come on during Super Bowl week and just come in as a bunch of different celebrities it was saying awful things? And Tom said, that would be great. Yeah. And he understands that everyone's going to be driving going, oh, holy... Of course they're here. It's the Super Bowl. I <laughs> here.
0: Everybody thought they were all in studio. Yeah, that Tracy oh, Morgan
3: great. was in the studio. And and I'm trying to give it Balkan. away. I'm trying to show my hand by saying, Well, you know, Tom says, What are you gonna be doing in New Hope, Tracy Morgan? <laughs> uh,
2: well I'm hanging out <laughs> with, with
3: Craig Gas. Craig doing a comedy show inside New Hope. I'm gonna be in the parking lot making a porno. <laughs> <laughs> so you wanna see comedy? Go inside the New Hope Cinema Grill. You wanna be in a movie called Men in Bad? Come out <laughs> to the white handy van in the parking lot and bring your own shoehorn. <laughs> and, uh, and people showed up to the club looking for a white handy van in oh, the parking yes. uh, lot. Yeah, as Christopher Walken, I was saying. And then, I, and I, I already said this on the air on KQ a couple days ago, but one of the voices I did, the driving, I just feel comfortable doing the voice was of Tom Arnold, uh, who has a history here in Minneapolis. He and knows. as Tom Arnold, I spent uh, the entire broadcast going, man. You know, all these uh, celebrities uh, coming into town. It's. Uh, I was actually at a cocaine anonymous meeting last night uh, with Fran Tarkenton. I know this is hard to believe, but Fran loves crack cocaine. I probably shouldn't say that out loud, but Fran loves crack. And his sponsor is uh, is uh, is uh, OJ Simpson, who's you know addicted to murdering people, and uh, you know whatever. And I I kept naming any sports guy I could think of off the top of my head, and Putting them in a cocaine anonymous meeting, in an alcoholic anonymous <laughs> meeting, in a sex addicts meeting, and, uh, after we got done with that broadcast the real Tom Arnold got flooded with angry tweets saying hey a-hole it's supposed to be anonymous how about you keep your mouth shut and Tom Arnold fought everybody and said hey uh, did you notice that Sam Kinnison was on the air that guy's been dead for 20 years you moron that's a comedian his name's Craig Gass and he's performing a new hope you jerk and, uh, oh, and I love Fantastic. And I love doing. I, you know, I would actually like to come back and do that. You know, if you had time at the end of this week, I'd love to come in and do more of that. That is so oh, much you fun. Yeah, you absolutely to, to just should. come in and, and just come on as characters that can. They don't have to be the focus of the whatever the the each break is about. Mm-hmm. They can just be in the background chiming in on all the stories and everything that's being discussed. And everybody can take their own angle. Anything you say, Gene Simmons will say. I can make money off that. Anything, <laughs> anything, that, uh, off that. anything that you're discussing yeah. on the air, Tracy Morgan can come in and go. I can have sex with that. You know, it's like everybody can have their own angle of how they respond to everything. So I love, love radio for that. But um, I do too. It's uh, it is fascinating to me how many people misunderstand the the power that radio has, and um, yeah,
0: it still does. Too. Yeah. It's pretty amazing.
3: Yeah, and it's uh, and also by the way, when I mentioned that era. Of radio, where it was drugs it was, everywhere. Yeah. Like, how do you, how did you survive that era?
0: I didn't do drugs ever. Never. I was not. I smoked a little pot. That was about it. And I was, was never it? a cocaine guy. Even in the record business, it was everywhere. Really. But I had the thing about that was weird about the, the record business is, is the drinking did get out of control. Yeah. There's no doubt about that because you would come into a party like Boskags was in town one time. I got a call. Hey was having a deal at his uh, at his hotel suite. So come on over and I went over there and I walk in They said, what, what do you want to drink? And I said, oh excuse me I was on the phone still and they said, well, what, what do you want to drink? I said, yeah, just a couple of Heineken to be good. I get there and the entire tub is full of Heineken. Really? It's not just we'll get a six pack, it's like fill the thing up and I'm the only one that was drinking it. I mean it's like, you know, like okay well. I <laughs>
8: didn't drink at all. Ah oh, <laughs> turn code. We had a social responsibility there. But yeah, did, it, it was a different era, man. And
3: did you did you end up working with people who struggled with addictions and that, Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. But, and then and and they were just I think that people like me who have that personality are just different than other people yeah. who, who don't understand it. And it's amazing. There there was a guy in Fort Myers, Florida, that I met years ago when I first got clean, mm-hmm. um, I had a heart attack. Uh, oh <laughs>
7: yeah. God! That'll really? do it. Yeah, I, I, think that...
0: I should slow down. Well, and, oh. and here's how the... old were you?
3: I was 32 when I had the heart attack, wow. and then uh, and here's the really ridiculous thing: I got sober. On the two-year anniversary of my heart attack. <laughs> well, <Wow. laughs> Yeah. yeah that's good. I, the, the heart attack scared me straight for a long time. Yeah. I was in a really uh, unhealthy relationship with this crazy, crazy girl, and I relapsed to get back at her. Stupid. Um, and uh, and then I got, on the two-year anniversary, a light bulb came on. Mm. And sadly, by the way, in that first year that I got clean, you know, that was I lost seven of my friends, seven, uh, oh, seven, seven oh my of my God. friends died in the first year. They got clean. All comedians. Well, that's sobering. Four drug overdoses and three drinking and driving car accidents. Yeah. And that yeah. you the sobering is the perfect word because each one of those deaths. Mitch was the first. Yeah. Each one of those deaths made me go, wow, I, I can't really turn around now. But there was a guy in Fort Myers. Who I met, uh, who I would heard, he, he had a he had a, a huge reputation for being a very popular local radio show host. Okay. He was also a popular uh, drug addict. Uh, it was it was known that he struggled with drug addiction. And by the time I got to this show, it was two of the three guys that used to be apparently this powerhouse show that mm-hmm. used to dominate the ratings in Fort Myers, Florida. Right. And I became fast friends with these two guys. And they told me, man, if you think this show is fun, we're missing our captain. Uh, this guy, he was the he's the mayor of this town. Everybody loves him, but unfortunately, he's got some problems with drugs. I also had problems at the time, so um, I didn't make any judgment about it. And then I came back a couple years later and found out that this guy was now clean and sober. And oh, good. and I was newly sober. I think I was three or four months sober at the time, and I met the guy and. He and I bonded and he actually gave me a book and wrote a little inscription on it and said, I I think it helped me. I think this book will help you. And I was really happy to meet him. Uh, I felt a strong connection to him. And uh, a year later, uh, these guys were given a second chance at life. They used to be the big morning show in town. Mm -hmm. But by the time this this captain of the team came back, they were put on afternoon drive. Oh, yeah. And but they were doing so well that they were moved to mornings. And apparently the numbers jumped as soon as they started. And they started crushing in Fort Myers again. And after the first book that came out Uh. that showed their numbers were great, the guy disappeared. No one saw him for five or six days. Couldn't Uh. reach him by phone, couldn't, you know. Uh, Apparently one of the co-hosts on the show actually went to a drug dealer's house Ooh. And threatened the guy's life and said, If I see my buddy here, I'm Ooh. I'm coming after you. I know I know you've got something to do with this. And uh, he finally called in and said, Hey guys, sorry, I, I messed up. I'm am back on drugs again. And he was dead within a month or two uh. after oh, that. God. And um and he died on the day that I got one year clean, God. and uh, I went to Florida. I found out where he was, uh, where he was buried, and I put my coin.
0: Yeah, you're in, in the ground. Silver coin. Yeah, yeah. In the
3: That's a yeah. great idea. Yeah, and because uh, <clears throat> he helped me, he helped me get to All where right. I needed to go.
0: Tom here for Saber Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Saber and Bryant are teaming up to offer zero percent financing for 36 months. Start the new year looking great and feel even better by losing 20 to 40 pounds with help from my friends at Ultimate, powered by Nutrimost. It's Tom, and I'm thrilled to let you know that for a very limited time, you'll receive 20 to 30% off all programs with Ultimate's New Year's resolution sale. Do what I did, and let Dan and Neil Sheehy and the staff at Ultimate help you change your relationship with food forever. 763
2: 333
3: It's amazing how many talented people that you will meet in life in radio, in comedy, who you go, man, this guy's on his way. But they can't get out of their own no, way. No doubt about that. Drugs, anything. They just, you know, m- maybe a lack of motivation, a lack of
0: focus. They can't get out of their own way. Well, I think part of that might be, like, remember the first time or the first week you walked out on uh, on stage and saw, you know, several hundred people and you go... They're here to see me. Yeah, that's a hell of an impact on a human being, man. Sure, you walk in and go, they're all here to see me, and it, uh, it does bother you a lot. Yep. You're like, why do I? Bother? Well, well you start questioning
3: yourself. Well, the pressure.
8: But that's a real thing. Pressure.
3: But Tom is also bringing up something that's that's a really good point. I was always aware of what people thought. You know, when when you hear somebody who says, you know, they don't like you, or through other friends you find out somebody doesn't like you for one reason or another and uh, if 3 or 4 of your friends look at you and go man that that guy really hates you then that guy probably hates you yeah friends. and then to see because something changed in my life that person now wants to be my friend. We'll just
0: roll through. Okay. We'll throw the, we can do that, can't we? Cassie just roll through to 30 and then edit in mm-hmm. the... Okay, good. Just keep
3: going. That's good. Sorry. Years later to... That's to, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, years later to find out that the same person who, for whatever reason, doesn't like you as a person, now right. wants to be right. your friend, Yeah. you sit yeah. there and go, well, wait a second. I, I, I know you don't like me. But now because I'm doing really well in this area of my life, yeah. you want to hang out with me. Yeah, And I would yeah. have people that, again, I know they don't like me. I've heard the stories. They never approach me. They were never friendly to me. And I would hear through the grapevine, well, that guy doesn't like you for this reason or that reason. And that person would years later come to me and go, man, I am so proud of you, man. I I was telling my girlfriend, hey, I've known that guy (laughs) since the beginning. It's a different deal. And and I knew, man, I'm so proud of you, man. I'm so happy for you. You know, you have people that you just, and you just, you do start to question like, man, this is weird because I know you're not being sincere. I know you don't like me. So it does mess with you when you wonder like, you know, why are these, people here to see me your own insecurities come to the surface about you know i've actually oh, talked yeah. to louie anderson about this a lot yeah oh yeah uh about sometimes when you, you you can sometimes not feel good about yourself and be standing on stage in front of a crowd of people that are just laughing and mm-hmm. and cheering and then you know for whatever reason you might feel something inside that just doesn't line up with that but um but now, if,
7: it seems like a lot of comedians have a lot of you know issues yeah in, they're insecure yeah there this way, I think you have to give some people just some latitude because, like you said, if maybe they were doing a lot of drugs And they met you, and you're sober, and they're mm-hmm. jealous of your sobriety. Yeah. It could be anything.
3: Yeah, I think over time, I've, I mean, I'm a pretty happy person for no other reason than the fact that I, my my compass has always been set to we're all gonna die, <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, yeah. knowing that has always kept mm-hmm. me. Deeply appreciative for little things in life, friendships, uh, a good meal with a friend yeah, or a couple friends that you care about, laughter, uh, sunsets. Uh, there, there's just little things that I appreciate so much about life, and even bad moments in life, I just find a. Way- and maybe it's because I grew up in a deaf family, and and we learned how to laugh at the.
0: Uh, at that handicap You were telling me what your oh, sister <laughs> said It was hilarious My sister I should explain he, that both your parents And your sister were deaf Yes And the way it happened
3: is My mom was born completely deaf From a birth defect mm-hmm. My dad was born with all of his hearing Lost it as a kid He got into an accident That popped out mm-hmm. his eardrums He, had, oh, he wow. had to go to deaf schools For the rest of his life mm-hmm. So he met my mom At an all deaf high school in New York They have my sister first My sister's born with my mom's genes Completely deaf and then I'm born with my dad's genes, with all my hearing, so I'm the only one in my family who can hear. Uh, and uh, there's a couple of interesting things that happened there. Number one, true, yeah. being the only person that could hear, I ended up being the interpreter for my mom for her divorce. Oh God! Uh, when I was oh. four years old, uh, we and were I, four? I was four, and, and it, oh, wasn't, it wasn't, it uh, wasn't. I didn't go to court with my mom. This was uh, when she had to talk to lawyers. <laughs> Deaf people now have a, have this um, way to communicate with the outside world where they use something yeah. called a relay service. They contact a relay service, and it's an operator who can contact the outside world and vice versa. But before that, she had someone in the house who could hear, and she'd say, I need you to make these phone calls for me. And I'm four years old. Getting this huge vocabulary lesson. Plus, my mom is standing on top of me, going, "Tell him your father's a son of a bitch." And I was like, (laughs) "Screw this guy!" I'll help you, mom. uh, uh, But my sister, uh, I always say, like people get sensitive when I talk about growing up in a deaf family. Meanwhile, the most insensitive deaf jokes I've ever heard were from my own deaf family. My sister, last year, I threw my sister a surprise birthday party, and uh, which you can argue. Everything to deaf people is a surprise. But I threw a surprise birthday party for my sister. At dinner, my sister is sitting across the table from me. She's signing to me in in sign language. And she says, do you want to hear a good joke? And I said, sure. And then she said, (laughs) me too. And I was like, oh my god. What the hell like oh my god. And I remember saying her like that's a good joke and she went, Ah, that old deaf joke She thought it was like a hacky deaf joke and I went, No, that's a great joke." great joke. But I've always been somebody who appreciates uh even failures in life because I know that failures are great lessons and I personally get a huge kick out of bad shows. Even hearing about a bad show, you know, like I did a show once in Oklahoma, was it, yeah, it was Oklahoma City. I had a guy opening for me in Oklahoma City who, he's on stage, and I can tell there's something going on on this side of the stage that this guy is distracted by. He keeps, he's doing his set, but he keeps looking down. And then finally he just stopped and went, ma'am, am, am I that ugly that you won't even look at me? <laughs> I, guess, well, I mean, she won't even look me in the face. Like, what are you, freaking blind or
7: something? Oh, God.
3: Oh, are you blind? Oh my God. And the whole crowd freezes. And the guy makes one of the biggest rookie mistakes. He tries to go back into his act uh, and says oh so you guys ever go to walmart and everyone who cares about walmart you made fun of a blonde woman he goes, i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> nobody's laughing except uh, for me oh, and two no. other comedians in the back mm-hmm. who are laughing our asses At off. the situation yeah. yeah i i think my favorite bombing story unfortunately didn't happen <laughs> to me it happened to dane cook um feel like i heard a drop in the audio can you still hear me okay yep mm-hmm. um dane cook had a story about a club we all started at in new york it was in new york but it was called the boston comedy club it was it's actually featured on the tv show crashing now on hbo and dane had an amazing story about being on stage one night on a tuesday night at 1 in the morning he's performing for six people
0: oh
3: Oh, it's God. everyone in this room is six the comedy crowd. People. Oh, six wow. people. One of the six people, it should be noted, had all of their groceries on the table. <laughs> because people walk by in front of the comedy club. Hey, comedy show, come on, comedy show, No cover in the guy's like, eh, I got my groceries. I'll help you with the groceries. Come on, Here, just two drink minimum. Come on, like you know. So the bouncer helps this guy with his shopping bags and puts it on the table and lets the guy sit down and watch the comedy show. Dane Cook is bombing. He's got no energy from this. Crowd. One of the audience members who is hammered gets up, starts stumbling to the restroom, closes the door, and starts violently vomiting in the bathroom. <laughs> oh to where the other five people in the room are are they can't watch Dan. They're, they're worried about this guy because they keep hearing uh, <laughs> And then the noise finally stops. There's a pause before they hear <laughs> oh, the toilet God. flushes the guy comes back out starts stumbling back over to his seat Dane is just standing on stage watching him what? and he goes are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> are you are, do you feel okay? are you and the guy goes oh no I just I had some bad comedy and everyone goes oh, oh! I filing each other. The guy with the groceries is throwing his groceries in the air. <laughs> <laughs> they, they just owned him. They just owned oh, him. And I just, oh, my coming. God. Uh, if you can't laugh at that and go, yeah. you know what? That's just an awesome moment. That, that, was, that you know, I, a
7: great comeback. You have to enjoy
3: <laughs> moments like that. So... I think the name of this episode should be "Craig Never Shuts Up." This is. Uh, no, I mean, no, I think I, it's a great segment. I,
0: I, yeah. I apologize. You know, while you were talking about you know radio and people in radio and, and all that stuff, we were talking. You were talking about that. While you were talking about that, I got a bunch of text messages. Uh-oh. Uh oh. The the program director sends me three text messages. Uh oh. Because the book just came out. The spring book just came out. Awesome, woo-hoo, fuck yeah. <laughs> wow. Then I get another one from the sales department. Nice month. <laughs> really? <laughs> it's like nothing will ever change, no, man. Yeah,
7: your sales department will never kiss your wait, butt. Wait a <laughs> minute. You don't
0: have a 100 share? What's no, the problem? Wow. Yeah. Isn't that hilarious?
3: Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Just... It's, it's yeah. really amazing the different... Uh, the, and I'm always obsessed with those mechanics and all those... Uh, uh, different things going on behind the scenes, which is why I love hearing stories about right. beyond what I listen to on the radio. What is your perspective? What, what, what did you wish you had more of from one guy or another? And and who came in and blew your socks off that really knew how right. to, you know. I mean, the stories about Rodney, uh, Norm MacDonald had an amazing story that was similar to yours about just seeing him show up one night, except that Norm was at the improv the day that... Rodney Dangerfield got married. Rodney actually went from his wedding in a tux to the improv to do a set. And and I wish I could remember the entire bit that he did because Norm described it. But I just remember the first line. So Rodney walks in with his bride wearing a wedding dress. They go, ladies and gentlemen, uh, he just straight from his wedding Please welcome Ronnie to a place goes nuts. He's got his tux. And he goes, yeah, I just got married. The whole place is going crazy. And he goes, yeah, there's this my wife right there. Give her a round of applause. And, and his wife stands up in her gown and waves. Everybody's cheering. And then as the applause starts to go down, Ronnie goes, yeah, but she's no prize. <laughs> <laughs> he starts bagging on her. And it was like, oh, my God. Like, he just still... <laughs> stuck to being a comedian he was still gonna yeah. make jokes and he just he just bagged on her for 20 minutes and about his marriage we got a
0: minute to go but i got to tell you a 30 second story Please. and then we'll do the closer jeff cesario yes walking down the street with jerry seinfeld <laughs> in new york okay right seinfeld cesario walking down a the street they run into rodney dangerfield and <laughs> seinfeld says rodney i want to introduce you to an- new young man in comedy does a great job he's wonderful meet Jeff Cesario and Rodney says Cesario huh (laughs) stick to the tumbling <laughs> <laughs> to be an acrobat. <laughs> I love that. one of the greatest stories I've ever heard in my life. Oh my god! In my life, Craig Gas, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen. Thursday night the show at New Hope Cinema Grill. Friday and Saturday two shows, seven and nine o'clock. And then what's Showtime up in uh, Red Carpet, St. Cloud on Sunday? I
3: want to say it's seven p.m. on Sunday, seven or seven thirty. And all the info is at getgas.com. Get gas with two S's. And uh, there may be some celebrities in Minneapolis who might be stopping by your show later this week. Who, uh, who think, knows? Yeah. Really? Well, you know,
0: with the big celebration of the month of June. Sure. With summer arriving, flag all the celebrities
7: coming up. come in.
0: That's when everybody wants to <laughs> be yeah, flag
3: here. <laughs> we we'll yeah.
0: here for flag day. Oh, man. Yeah, Nobody brings
3: in more celebrities than flag day. <laughs>